Sean K. I'm your host, Sean Neese. And on this show, I talk with people who live outside the box uh, and provide a platform for opinions and perspectives that aren't often heard in the mainstream media and just really have off-the-cuff interviews and conversations with people. And I've got a special episode in store for you today. Hey there, Bessie. I'm going to eat your crops. I'm bragging. was a clip of my performance at the free improv now show at uh, the triple crown theater and that's what today's episode is going to focus on uh, i was the rabbit who is taking over the farmer's farm well, it was a lot of fun this is our farm <laughs> in case you didn't recognize my voice because i talk very uh calm and stuff in this podcast. But I have many different personas. We all wear many faces in life and express different aspects of ourselves in different settings. And to me, that's what acting and improv and, well, and any kind of performance is all about. Just uh, exploring different aspects of yourself and expressing them in different ways. But uh, I, I interviewed four different people from this improv group. I've been going to this improv group for improv now that I found on meetup.com in the city right near Penn station, uh, for about the, for, yeah, about a year now. And it's, it's really helped me with, uh, well, specifically one thing has helped me with is this show because, uh, you know, what I want to do with the show is have very spontaneous, uh, lawn form, uh, off the cuff conversations, with people, you know, I'm influenced by podcasts kind of like Joe Rogan Experience or uh, WTF with Mark Marin, and I really like that kind of long form interview style where you really hear the conversation and what everybody has to say. Um, I like that more than you know the the way the newscasts just have the you know the little snippets. I I, I like listening to uh, in depth conversations that people have, and that that's one thing I really love about podcasts as a as a medium and improv has also helped me be more confident in social situations in general. It's helped me not think too much before I say something. It's helped me uh, listen better and just kind of adapt more to other people. Uh, anyway, uh, the improv group, like I said, is at the triple crown theater. There's classes uh, with improv now all throughout the week. Uh, we will be hearing from two of the, teachers uh steve ling and andrew abramson and also uh jude from the improv group she was the she 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 was the one mooing uh betsy i think he called her yeah and uh, also joel 
we will also hear be hearing from F. Joel Price, who's a filmmaker and actor. Uh, he was the one who filmed that video, so we only had that amazing sound clip because of him. And so thank you, F. Joel Price. I'm going to go back and forth between these conversations with these people about the improv. So first we're going to hear from Steve Ling, who is the founder of Improv Now. All right, so right now I'm talking to Steve Ling, who uh, you helped set up Improv Now, right? And you've, you've been in the improv scene for a long time. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I started the Improv Now group in July 2015 and also been doing improv now for about eight years. And how did you get, uh, how, what, what motivated you to start Improv Now? I was doing improv around New York at different venues, including the Triple Crown, the Pit, some place in the in Queens, and uh, eventually I, I decided I wanted to try teaching improv to to help me learn more about the craft and also to help spread improv to other people and. I found that I didn't have enough experience to teach at the more established places, so I decided uh, the best way would be to start a group of my own. So, like, start a media. So, so did you want to, I guess, help improv be more accessible to people? Yeah, I know that there's a big market out there, and improv is not as affordable for a lot of people. And I'm really a believer that everyone should be exposed to improv or that improv would be good for for maybe not everyone most people to try so i definitely wanted to create that opportunity for others too okay so next we're gonna hear from andrew abramson he uh, steve i believe teaches most nights of the week but on thursdays andy teaches uh the, the improv now group and uh i think there's like one other night of the week he teaches too. I've I've been in one or two classes uh, where Andy taught, and uh, they're both fantastic uh, teachers, Steve and Andrew. And uh, I ha- I have learned actually have learned a lot from Andrew outside of class because he's always uh, he he he's very passionate about improv, so he's always telling people like what he's learned over the years and what he thinks works and doesn't work. Uh, and it, you know it's it's something he talks a lot about and. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, here's here's uh, a bit of my conversation with him. So, what got you uh, into it? Because like you've been doing it longer than me. My my niece is the one who originally got me into it. She was an improviser. She was a performer at Stardust Restaurant. So, I've been doing it since I fell in love with it. I mean, she was talking me into it, and I really wasn't sold on it, but. I fell in love with it. Yeah, it's great. Were you into like performing or acting or anything? Oh no, not really, this? not yeah. at all. Just again, yeah. I'm a New Yorker born and raised, so I always was a wise ass. Yeah, right. <laughs> improvising did slow me down with that. <laughs> so, so has it changed for you, like since you first started with improv? Or? I mean, it's definitely changed. I mean, because you're talking about, I've gone to so many different schools, getting so many different teachers. So you like. They have changed my mind. A lot of times I've changed my mind of how I thought with improv. But the great thing is I go to where 80% tell me one way, I'm going to stick with that way. Whether I agree with the other 20% or not, 
doesn't make sense, I go with the higher percentage. So it's like taking in the constructive criticism. Jude Monique is the next person we will be hearing from. I'll let her speak for herself and tell you guys more about who she is. Here's the first clip of our conversation. Hi, my name is Jude Manik. I'm from Sydney, Australia. And I've been doing improv for four years, I think, maybe five. I got interested because I was listening to another podcast uh, in Australia that's run by a comedian. And he was interviewing someone who just done level one. So I decided that might be a good way for me to actually become more creative. So I did level one and uh, finished through to level five last year because I kept going away. Uh, the it's Improv Theatre Sydney is where I've been trained and they also do stand-up courses. So I did that last year and uh, sketch writing. So I've also done that. And so how does uh, improv now, uh, like the teachings in improv now, differ from that? Some of, the, some of it is the same, but improv now, because it's uh, not doing levels, will mix and match it up to different things, whereas the levels program will go through from you must get yes and right to the next stage of history, beliefs, to the next stage of... We didn't get onto the stage until level three. So the, so the improv you did in uh, Australia was more like it was rated and it was like they... It yes. was Yeah, it was, so it was more um, competitive, I guess, is the word. Oh, yes. yes. Much more competitive and uh, with some really, really clever improvisers. Uh, two of them that I was in level one with, the same, the next year won the Australian competition. Uh, then in level two, one of them won the raw comedy competition last year, which is televised all around Australia. So that's the stand-up competition. So, yes, very, very competitive. And then I did the last two levels with a lot of actors, with a lot of accents. So have you uh, noticed, like, any difference, uh, like, maybe with humor in Australia and humor in America, like, are there things there that people would find funny that they wouldn't necessarily find funny here and vice versa? Oh, that's a good question. I know with me, I have different levels of what I find funny and what I don't find funny. And that doesn't necessarily mean that what I don't find funny isn't good stuff. It's just what I like compared to what I don't like. Uh, so, yeah, it's, oh, we can have a lot of uh, weird humour, black humour in Australia and get away with it. And we're also very sensitive to not do the wrong thing and punch down. We always we always try to punch up. Okay, so it's like a speaking truth to power kind of humor rather yeah. than, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and now on to F. Joel Price, who is, a, like I said earlier, a filmmaker and actor, and he filmed, uh, he films the improv shows usually, uh, 
And so, anyway, here's F. Joel Price. How did you get into the improv and all that? Well, first of all, I, acting was definitely one of my, definitely my biggest interests growing up. I did um, always have the um, opportunity to get on stage and, you know, show what I'm capable of. While we were practicing, while we while I was in class, we did have some improv exercises, which of course was uh, one of the most one of my favorite things to do. And um, after graduating, um, well, I didn't. It was um, yeah, I didn't get into it um, a lot. So I think uh, after I discovered Meetup.com, I. I was gonna. I was looking at some um, acting classes, whatever I could find. I saw improv, which is not so far away from the station that I get up at. at you know, definitely great and also a great way to meet up people. Because at the time I was because before then I was working at a full time job in New Jersey where I had an ugly commute. Um, it really didn't work out because, uh, yeah, I worked full time first of all and. You know, despite making loads, you know, having a good good income, I didn't really um, have energy during the weekends, and didn't really have much contact at the time. So I I thought um, thought it'd be time to move forward, you know, leave that job and, and pursue some something else. And yeah, um, as soon as I started improv, which is it's almost been a year. Next month it'll 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 definitely be a year at the improv. Um, I mean, since I since I do enjoy acting and improv to me is is like acting except it's non scripted. I you know, <laughs> I stuck with it um, since then and yeah that's 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 basically it. And then I I don't I don't remember when I met you exactly. I think it was sometime yeah. in the fall in the fall. Yeah yeah, but I, I like that's interesting because I, I started the group. Uh, I started with improv now. I think in um oh uh like a year ago or so. A year? Yeah. Maybe we when were just like, we went on different days or something. Maybe that was it. The thing is, when I started, I went almost every day, including weekdays, you know, Sundays and Wednesdays, and with Andy sometimes on Thursdays. Oh, it's interesting um, that you've been around for a year or two, because, um, yeah, we didn't, I don't know, we didn't cross paths till very recently. <laughs> yeah. Think. Yeah, and then I started doing like the other nights because originally I just did uh, Sundays and uh, we did the Friday performance. That's exactly yeah, that's yeah. it. Because uh, I did the classes and you did the, did the performances. Yeah. yeah, and the the Friday one was like the, the was a really like awesome energy that night. Unfortunately, it, usually you tape the uh, improv performances and everything. Like well, you, you, I was um I had an um, open casting that day, and then I went to a movie, so I didn't. Well, because I I was I also take a tripod with me. I mean, I could have just um could just given the camera to someone to record us, but it's it's all good. I mean, no, it'll, it'll next time because <laughs> I like to uh I I don't know I usually bring a tripod, and like that day I had some other things to do, and I had to walk around a lot. And anyway, um it was still good nights, and it's a definitely. That was something that we can remember for 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 a long time. Now let's hear a little bit more from uh, Mr. Steve Ling. And what what uh what did you find useful about it? Like how has it helped you? Well, I guess just starting the group, I, I learned about teaching, and 
I think that helped me to understand the craft of improv more. And also, I got to put on a lot of other events like shows and jams with other people from the group. And I think that's just been a wonderful experience to collaborate with other people, to meet new people and to see people grow from the first time they've done improv to where they're doing performance sets of their own with sometimes as few as two or three people for 15 minutes at a time. And it's, uh, so it's has it helped you because I know you said your main your main job you do is is sales like you you weren't a, an actor or anything before this so like how is like but but you found improv like helpful for like uh, your main job and just life in general like I, I know like a lot of actors do it too but but obviously it's not only helpful for performers or actors. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I actually wasn't. I'm not in sales. I. I help support people who do sales. I'm usually behind the computer quite a bit. That being said, it, it, at my job, it helps me to communicate with people, communicate with my boss. Uh, it helps in all walks of life, in any social interaction. I definitely feel more at ease than what I used to feel, just knowing that any <laughs> if anything is uh, said to me, I, I at least... Even, I'm just more comfortable with the unknown, like knowing how to respond or being more comfortable not knowing how to respond. I like being able to just kind of not not think too much, I guess, when you, I guess, I guess that's, because that's a big thing in improv, I guess, like when a lot of times when people are like not knowing what to say in life in general or whatever, it's the, the problem comes down to like thinking too much, maybe, and maybe improv, uh, I guess can help train you to be more natural about things and the way you interact uh, with the world around you and everything. Yeah, that's definitely the goal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, improv definitely helps with that. Now back to Mr. Andrew Abramson. Yeah. So, so what do you enjoy the most about improv? Cause I know like you're, you're really into this, you teach some classes and you do it like most nights of the, the week, right? Here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do it at least six times a week and a lot of times seven times a week. And what's great about improv, again, we bring it down to we used to be as kids. We love playing superhero. We love to play bank robber. We love to just play cops, firemen. We were whatever we created. As adults, we forget to get into that. But improv brings you back to that world. And that's what we love so much as being kids. So, again, whatever you create... It's your reality for whether it's a two-minute scene, whether it's a 45-minute scene. It's your reality, so you don't like to deny anything, which is great. So it's your own fairy tale for that period. Yeah, and it seems to draw like a wide variety of people, like different, not just people in the arts or actors or comedians, but also like people who have their own business or just like people who want to overcome their shyness, be more confident. Oh, no, yeah, it's yeah. definitely great for public speaking. It's great for business in general, I mean, like, for retail, it's amazing. Just because you, you learn to get the gift of gab, you become a quick thought, quick process, and, yeah, just things go more, you get more characters in behind you when needed to be. So I think, like, somebody selling a car, I think this is a perfect thing for somebody selling a car, you know, improvising. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I love it because I do it 
because I do enjoy it so much. I, I think I love to laugh. I love to get loose and have a great time. And again, if when you perform on stage, it's costing you nothing, but you could be, you know, I could be the president. I could be freaking God. I could be, there's no limits, which is great. Just like, uh, it lets you use your imagination, I guess. Like, in, like Yes. Yeah. I mean, again, you talk, just imagine, like, to me, one of the most creative people, entertainers of all time was Michael Jackson. But if he was in improv, that guy would have been brilliant just because his mind was just, they say, you know, like he was out of his mind, but he was so creative. And that's, I guess, improvisers in general. Some of them are out of their mind. Yeah. Well, maybe creati- <laughs> creativity is like, uh, irrational in a way more than it's rational, I guess. Like it just kind of comes, is inspired, I guess. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was talking with Jude about a lot of the same topics you just heard me. Uh, discussing with Steve and Andrew, and she offered an interesting perspective as well. Let's hear. It. Um. So, what what do you enjoy like the most about uh, improv, and it, it like specifically improv now? Like, is there anything you enjoy about like what do you enjoy the most about the meetup and all that? Uh I love the meetup because it's a casual setting where. You can try out things and no one's judging, which I think is absolutely great. So anyone can just give it a go. And, yeah, safe environment, very, very safe environment. And you can go to an improv with improv now so many days a week and just practice stuff, which it's harder to do that in Sydney because it's further to go. It's getting into the car and going through terrible traffic. So it's just an easy environment to just practice improv often. Joel, or F. Joel Price, I was using his full name before, liked the sense of community in improv now, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's always great to... To the, um, head down to the Triple Crown, grab a $5 beer and, and perform downstairs at the basement and, you know, meet up with your, meet up with others who you, um, regularly see. I think it's great, you know, you need, there's a lot of new people, but there's also, I don't know, I, there are, there are definitely a lot of, um, recurring performers there, <laughs> which, uh, which is great. So, what what has been the most rewarding experience uh, with the classes and shows and like what can you say about like the different what happens like the different nights of the week? Yeah, every every night is different in its own way, and I, I, sometimes I feel like like every event I do is like a child of mine, and I, I hate to compare different kids to each other. Uh, if I had to pick, I would say I'm really surprised with how the Friday has gone because when I first started the Friday Jam. It would be just a few of us, three people, five people, and lately more than 20 or 25 people show up. So it's just really rewarding to see people who are enthusiastic about coming out, about trying improv for the first time, and supporting those, supporting everyone in the community. So I think that jam is, I feel a soft place in my heart for that jam. 
And like, and so, how have you uh, improved as an Im- like with improv performance over the years? Like, what's what are some of the things you've learned? Uh, when I first started, I was one of the worst. I was, when, when I think back to everyone that I teach, I, I really feel like everyone was is in a further place than where I was. Because of that, I believe that everyone has the capability to do improv, and I mean everyone. Uh, for me. I really feel like I listen a lot more carefully than I used to. It sounds funny. I couldn't really even watch an improv scene and even understand what was going on when I first started. So even to me, even being able to do that and to create a, make a scene it feels like a major accomplishment. And then just through... So it was just kind of like the more you do it, the more easy it becomes, like the more natural it comes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. I don't necessarily feel like I'm that natural of an actor because I didn't, like, some people do improv, they've been doing acting since they were in high school, and I started when I was 30 years old. I would say it's pretty late in life. That being said, I, I think even if I don't always feel natural, I know I can still do a scene that's entertaining and worth watching and I think that's that's uh, yeah that's, I think that's a good thing yeah I think that last scene we did was uh, like I actually started cracking up it was pretty funny it was um, where I was like this guy named Craig and you were a barista and like I, you were uh, I was like your favorite customer you were my favorite barista and then you made it so only Craig's could come into the store because I was such a good customer <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that was just a yeah, happy accident that happened in the scene, and then we just rolled with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that, funny. That's always that's always what I like is like how it starts with one suggestion, but then like something else happens in the scene, and then that little change in the scene becomes like the big thing. Then it changes from the original suggestion and goes into something else that's like not totally related, but it still like flows. Yeah, that's the magic of improv is recognizing that and embracing that rather than holding on to an idea that one may have had when they entered the scene. They can build on this. They can find this idea together, and and the audience loves that. Andy always enjoys giving constructive criticism and feedback to fellow improvisers. I thought I would give him the opportunity on this podcast to share some of his ideas. And uh, so, so like, what are the, like, the do's and don'ts of uh, improv? Because I know you, you talk a lot about, like, what you've learned over the years and, like, what you, what you teach and, like, what, what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, basically, in an improv scene, it's, I think it's simple, it's basic, even though a lot of people don't follow that format. But the reality is, never want to deny what's been created, so doesn't matter if you're a man and somebody calls you grandma, you're going to be grandma. You're going to be, you call me a lady, do I look like, no. Always yes and, because it adds so much more to the story. It makes things go a lot smoother, and it doesn't make your partner there that's on your team, whether you're doing two people on the scene or five people, when you're yesing anding, it's not denying what they created. So that's what I love, because you work, I love teamwork, and it's such a teamwork thing. So that's the most common mistake you've seen is like people denying 
whatever's been said. Yeah, I mean, again, that's usually more so for people that are new into the improv world. Most people that have been doing it a while don't really deny, again, the nature of the beast. Some people still do. And I just think they need to either not go into the right score or just refuse to pay attention, which is important in improv, to listen, and then you could understand more of it. Yeah, so, like, uh, have you, what have you noticed, like, for, like, with an audience, like, what kind of things work and what don't? Like, I know that's, that's another thing you talk about a lot, but. Well, again, when it, depending on what, you know, whether you're doing short form or long form, because I do both, I love both. In long form, the key is, because you do change up the scenes, a lot of time, if you're doing the Harold, you'll do three sets of different scenes, you're coming back, but. There are so many different forms where if somebody tries to swipe out a scene, you don't have to bring it back when somebody's trying to change up the scene because it doesn't make sense because sometimes trust your team knows that it's not working. So a lot of times people are doing monologues. If you're doing an hour monologue with a bunch of people and they just keep bringing it back, but you're seeing that you're not getting laughs and nobody seems interested, take your teammate that you see keeps swiping and notice it, change it up. So it's going with like, uh, like the, the non, uh, verbal, I guess like the non-direct communication, like they're making it yeah, like I mean, obvious, like they're kind of hinting to you, like, yeah, this once, isn't working. Yeah. yeah, a lot of times when you swipe a scene, you want to change up. And again, it's, sometimes it's good to bring back scenes. Yeah. But I, I think you notice like in improv, we're not stand-up comedians. So the, in general, we're not going to get booed. But comedians want laughter. Improvisers, if he's hearing dead air, means you should change up the scene. It doesn't matter if it's long or short form, but change it up. Yeah, and sometimes you could swipe the scene, I guess, like if you just thought that was like a really good ending. Oh, well, that's, yeah, no, no, that's definitely true. I'm not saying to change up on those, but I'm saying like sometimes it's being swiped over and over and over again and people yeah, don't and people don't, it takes a while for people to get like this isn't working like yeah well i mean sometimes people pick up on it quickly but other times others don't and all it takes is if you have a team of three or if you have a team of eight if one person doesn't get it they'll just keep bringing back scenes that should not be and that happens a lot in improv which to me is a big downfall even though again improv is great but in that format it takes away so what, like, uh, suggestions or, like, topics that, like, people give that the improv scenes about usually are the ones that, like, go nowhere, like, they're used a lot? Like, what topics? I wouldn't like to pinpoint any t- general topics just because, like, depending on the improviser you're with, certain things you could make anything work. I mean, there are certain, like, I think I praise Tina Fey. I think she's brilliant. I think she could play any scene and make it work. I would just say, you know, in general, you, you have to realize we're in 2019. Your goal is to make the audience happy. And the key by doing that is don't mention disease. Don't mention, you know, anything that the politics has its part. If somebody yells out, okay, presidential, you know, they yell out president as a suggestion. I like to be a president of a Macy's. I love to be a president at Walgreens. I mean, and you could do... The United States doesn't mean you have to do Donald Trump. You can, but the key goes down to a big downfall for a lot of improvisers is they overthink things to try to get creative. Don't overthink things because usually that'll make you enjoy it less. 
indicates that you want to enjoy it, so overthinking it will put that pause in your own. Yeah. What what I know like for stand up comedy, like sometimes they're concerned like a lot of comedians don't like to keep it like too safe either. Like I know like George Carlin like went into like a lot of controversial like topics and things like that. But like I guess with improv you're saying like it's good not to make it too controversial or well, you're doing a big different comparison, though. George yeah, yeah. Carlin was yeah. legendary. He was great, but he also was in a total different time period. I yeah. mean, he, he wasn't around 2019. He couldn't yeah. do what he did back in the 80s, but he yeah. does today. It's a different animal, so I don't think it's improper stand-up comedy. I think stand-up comedy, you're allowed to get away with a little bit more, but the key to me, just being an improviser, I want everybody to be happy. I don't to me, if you're going to talk about disease, why not make up a disease? Why talk about cancer? You don't want it, people that are suffering from it or family members are suffering. No, don't bring that up. Make up stuff about this disease. Make up stuff. Who cares? You know, I got left nostril disease. Who cares? People laugh about yeah. that corny stuff, but it's the truth. Don't talk about real negative stuff. Just make it up and yeah. you'll have a good time with it. So it doesn't, like, limit the comedy, I guess, so that people are more, I guess sensitive now about those kinds of things like it's uh, I mean like yeah yeah I mean a lot of people still do it I I just feel like again I'm old school but I feel like people should stay away from you know a lot of people don't care stand-up comedians a lot of them don't care because a lot of them are famous because they were so gun-ho 2019 it is a lot more different though it comes down to more people are a lot more sensitive and I think the world in general is too sensitive but I understand a lot of it, and the key is your goal is if 20 people are going to watch you or 50 people are watching you, you want everybody to be entertained. So don't touch touchy subjects. You know you don't want to. You're doing talking about a lady. You don't have to talk about it, saying you know certain words about words women don't like to hear. And same thing with guys. You don't have to call them this, this, this and that. Because if you see somebody in the audience just kind of even cringe takes away from the whole scene yeah. in my head what what uh have you uh improved since you started doing improv like what are some of the things you've learned oh massively there's still a long way to go but i know i'm a lot better than i was when i started because i knew nothing yeah i knew nothing i had to learn yes and don't ask questions uh and uh, then we did through the Herald, and the last one level was a director's scene. So I had to actually learn memory and strategy. So not just creative, because especially in those two, you've got to remember what's going on so that you can uh, strategize for what comes next. So it's not just creating. And uh, yeah, it's made me better at listening. And it's good for everyday life. Uh, so, so how uh, how is performing stand-up comedy, uh, the experience of that, how does that differ from performing improv, and in what ways is it similar? Okay, stand-up comedy, of course, takes more time, especially if you're me, because you actually got to think what the routine's going to be, then got to memorise it sort of so that it's not forgotten on stage. And so it's it's 
really is my stuff that I've had to think about rather than stuff just coming out of my mouth. So I think that's more judged because people know that you've had to think about this. And uh, it's just one person in front of a lot of people, whereas improv is usually a group of you, so safety in numbers, and people supporting you and uh, others and everyone's helping everyone look good, whereas stand-up is just one person. And But I, I like stand-up and I want to do more of it. And uh, have you been able to use, are there any techniques from improv you've been able to use in your stand-up? I mean, I know you've only been doing it a short time, like you said. But... Uh, yeah, I, I guess just looking at how to act out something, because uh, stand-up seems to work better if you have specific details in things and acting it out uh, helps to make it funnier. So improv helps with skills of being able to act out the stand-up. All right. Well, uh, is there, like, anything else maybe you want to add, like any other, like, experiences with improv or anything before we wrap up? Uh, well, the other thing I have done with this improv is, as I said, sketch writing, which is also very different because you can only have what they call one game. So... His challenge is to get it simple enough. But, yeah, it's been a good experience just balancing and seeing all the different kinds of uh, closely related but not quite the same uh, activities. And I would recommend going to improv now because it's just fun and it doesn't matter if you're a beginner. It doesn't matter if you've been doing it for a while. You can still have fun. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, doing the interview and everything. I mean, I know we, we did a scene where we did the, the podcast thing, too, after I told you I had a <laughs> – you said, like, I was Harold and you were Barbara, and you said you said this is uh, BSing with Harold and Barbara. That was... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Use what you know sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, because and then the the scene we were in uh, before that was when we were on the we were the animals on the farm going after the the farmer. That was uh, like I was the bunny and you were the you were the uh, cow. That's what you played, and then we yeah. you, like took over that the farm. Was, yeah, that was fun. And last night I had to play a whale, so there we are. I'm getting my animals down. <laughs> yeah, that that always that's always uh, a fun thing to do like uh become something that's not even human like or something because that adds then yeah. there's like more you can go with that like even if someone like calls me uh grandma or whatever then there's so many more directions like that that kind of opens up like where i can take it and everything like the, the crazier it is like the more places you could take it absolutely and the more actions you can do that are really entertaining that's for sure so what have you uh, learned since you started doing improv? Like, what do you think works and doesn't work in a scene you found? What works and doesn't um, doesn't work in a scene I found? Okay, what um, what I can say that doesn't work is I ramble a lot sometimes. I always try to explain like 
things while just uh, not trying not to confuse, you know, in terms of the um, the scene that I'm that I'm performing performing at, and because it does, um, if because if you ramble, it means that you're thinking too much, and that's um, that's obviously that's a that's a big flaw because improv is um, going straight to the point, you know. Get, just get it all out, you know. And what works is um, what works for me is yeah, supporting supporting the um, everyone else, and in um, in terms of the uh, yeah, supporting everyone else and keeping the suggestion that the audience gives you in mind, you know, just to not completely randomize this every scene that goes by throughout the performance. Because I think it's always great to um, to stick to the to yeah to the suggestion that you're given you know to to make it more yeah to make it more humorous the way I see it because it has worked a lot it definitely has and it's always good to say yes, yes. to whatever somebody and, says or yes yeah. Yeah. but it could yeah yeah because because uh, uh, I remember I went on stage once with uh, I think it was on the the Monday that I did it, and I I, I was doing a, a British accent, and then someone said, "Are you from Cleveland? Is that why you talk like that?" And I went, "Yes, I am from Cleveland. This is how we talk in Cleveland." Even <laughs> so, and then, and then that took the scene like an, like if I had said, "No, I'm not," then that would have kind of just stopped everything right, right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you, what's been like some of the the funnest? I know that the last that the Friday night one was one was uh, one of the funnest probably. The, uh, I know. I can I can definitely look back to the um, performances I caught on camera anytime. Um, oh wait, there was one that um that I really loved that I did with Eric and a bunch of other people. It was on a Monday night. I, I used to go to improv on Monday nights, but um I got well the house teams. I used to perform in the house teams, but I actually got rejected because I just wasn't um, ready. <laughs> the people who do perform at the the house teams there they perform almost every day. Every day, um, every, yeah, every day of the week, and I, I only go there about once or twice a week. <laughs> anyway, um, but the performance that was gonna, that was just that was gonna, um, yeah, I'm gonna talk about the one that I really liked was um, I was just um, typical elementary school student who spends his spare time at home while he plants flowers and and pretends that they're his friends, like there's um there's this fantasy where you have this these imaginary plants where they're they're talking to you and you're feeding them, and then there's this annoying father which Eric portrayed. It's funny because like he always uh he, he was definitely not mean. He was very friendly, but like <laughs> he'll definitely tell you all about it. You know, once you get once you um yeah get in touch with him. But yeah um. I think I think that was uh that was a very exciting performance I did. In in then even we did, then we did the one about uh my I think one of the first times I performed with you we did this skit about video games and, I remember uh, that. And, and Minecraft and everybody was getting addicted to to Minecraft. Minecraft. That was like the hook. <laughs> that one I do remember. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then then uh, the the one we did Friday was pretty funny too when uh Eric was like the talking nuclear warhead. And he was going, I'm a missile! I'm here to destroy you! Yeah! And then he laughed. Yeah. 
Good times, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I definitely look forward to more performances. Definitely think it'll be exciting and very memorable. Yeah, and, that, that was good. You got it on a video. Yeah, it's because it's interesting because then you see it's good to look at yourself like doing any kind of performance to see like what works, what doesn't work. That's yeah, that's that's exactly why I began recording performances so I can analyze the techniques that I delivered just to, yeah, to know what I can improve. And once, yeah, that's basically that's it. <laughs> So what was uh, one of the biggest challenges when you started teaching, and how did it differ from just uh, performing improv? One of the biggest challenges is, I think, I'm very insecure as an improviser, cause I, so I think just being able to feel like I can give value to people who might even already decent at improv when they start I think I had to really overcome that and I think I've just leaned on my experience and just knowing that I've done this for a while I've learned a lot and 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 whatever I've learned is, is gonna is helpful to improv scenes and I guess so, it, yeah, that's, and I guess it feels rewarding to teach in a way too like uh, like bringing people out of their shells like yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just it, whenever anyone finishes a, a show or a class and they they feel like they were creative and they had fun, it's it's always a good feeling. There's never anything bad about anyone who's got to break out of their shell and do something different for for one or two hours and and have fun at it. So, so what's your uh, your goal with uh, improv now? Do you, you want to like take it further in the future? Or? Yeah, it's a good question. I uh, I, I always want to do better as time progresses, uh, but I don't want to think too much about that. I want to still be in the moment, like in an improv scene, and enjoy the moment. That being said, I'm always I'm always hoping, like, as a performer, I can perform better, I can teach better, the shows can uh, somehow evolve to a higher level. And it's not out of the question that I'm hoping one day potentially to open a, a, an actual theater. Uh, I, I love the Triple Crown. I'm very grateful for the Triple Crown. I do think there are some limitations to that space. And yeah, maybe one day there there can be a more uh, a theater that's more that's devoted to improv, like the the Steve Ling and uh, the Steve Ling and Andy Improv Theater or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably with a different name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's about it for today's episode. Uh, I know this was a little bit of a different format than most of my shows but to get an understanding of improv now and uh what the, what improv is all about you i couldn't really just have one person give a perspective because people are coming from so many different places when they do improv and to paint like a true picture i had to 
have more than one guest for this episode. Uh, I was it was great talking to all these people. These are all a fun bunch of people. Uh, I I haven't done uh, the pit too much uh, or any of the other improv uh, groups in NYC, but I, I plan on checking that out in the future. But I de- I definitely have a, a special connection with improv now and. Uh, the community there it's it's really just done so much for me to bring me out of my shell and it's just you know i you know i love seeing the people there and i love uh performing and then you know hating after the show having a drink with uh everybody and talking and i hope you know anybody listening tries improv because i think it can be beneficial uh to help you be more confident or help you with your business, with your acting for performers. Obviously it's great too. Or if you do a podcast and you know, if you don't live in the New York, if you live in the New York area, definitely check out improv now and the triple crown theater It's a great way to get started. And if you don't live in the New York area, then I suggest you look on meetup or look uh, to see what your local improv group is. And anyway, if you want to keep updated with future episodes of BSing with Sean K, go to bsingwithseank.blogspot.com. That's B-S-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-S-E-A-N-K.blogspot.com. There's a link to my Twitter, my Facebook, my YouTube, uh, my feed, and everything else. You can also subscribe on iTunes. And that about does for today's episode. I'll catch you on the next one. Yes, they